Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to the episode. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi, Armin, and hello to our listeners. This is going to be a really fun, different episode today. I, I have to admit, my my creative juices are flowing, and when, when the idea, and you kind of had the idea of, of talking about what we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. I got excited. And I think this might even turn into a two-parter. Right. I, w- I was realizing as my list of things that I I personally want to flag to discuss that we may have too much and we, we could come back on a second episode and discuss these things. That's right. We'll see how it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and start by sharing exactly what inspired today's topic? Okay. So, uh, of course, Mike, as you know, and as many of our listeners know, I've been training physicians to do medical legal consulting. It's almost 16 years now, be 16 years in May. And so I speak to a lot of physicians around the country, and I was telling you uh, about the situation. It actually happened just a couple of days ago. So a physician called me. He told me that he is a radiation oncologist, and he was interested in my training, but he said, you know, I don't know if I, I want to do what you do exactly, which is to consult on any kind of medical question that comes up on a case. I, he said, I think I'd feel more comfortable just uh, doing what you're doing, but doing it uh, as a radiation oncologist. And Would it be I, all? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's funny, Mike, because it made me chuckle. So uh, I had to say to him, well, what you're talking about is you're thinking about being a medical expert in uh, your specialty. And of course, that's not what we do. We Our specific expertise is to navigate uh, any kind of medical question that comes up in a case. But part of our, if you want to call it expertise, is to navigate the many legal issues that comes up in cases. Now, this kind of knowledge and expertise, I think, Mike, is certainly up and beyond how treating doctors uh, approach these cases. And I think even uh, how medical experts approach the cases. So- yeah, Armin, there's there's a term in marketing called unique selling point or USP. Mm. Mm. And I've in in meeting new attorney clients, I've realized that our USP is our familiarity with their legal uh, jargon, the the requirements, the the way that reports, the way that the legal system is structured for the cases that we consult on, is mm-hmm. is our one of our USPs. Right, absolutely. 
So obviously, we as as medical legal consultants, we're physicians. We are not attorneys. Uh, however, uh, through the course of our work, as you know, Mike, uh, over the years and in working closely with our attorney clients, we do develop a, a degree of legal understanding that's absolutely critical to the work that we do. And uh, it's part of our overall knowledge base. So, I honestly think, Armin, you're being a bit humble because that what I've come to understand through now a few years of doing this work is that mm -hmm. your teaching and education of doctors on doing this is is very unique and almost the secret sauce <laughs> is that that's sitting underneath us in today's topic of what what do attorneys need to understand? What What is the terminology? What are the key points that help them strategically manage the medical aspects of their cases? And that might all sound like a lot of fluff, but I really think that's what your experience before you started teaching others allowed you to have this unique approach that was extremely valuable to doctors who know medicine. ER doctors know how to triage uh, uh, gun gunshot victims and, and these things, but they don't necessarily know how to interact with attorneys and with the legal system. Right. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Yep. So I thought, let's give some examples. So this first example, uh, our attorney listeners certainly know and understand this, but uh, we, we have a lot of physicians that listen in. And so uh, our attorney listeners, please bear with us for a couple of moments. <laughs> and uh, uh, let me give, I think, something that's, that's kind of a stellar example. And I think the place to start is with the thin skull rule or the eggshell rule. So uh, this uh, rule has to do with the fact that uh, defendants in PI cases uh, must take their injured victims where they find them. That is... Uh, uh, in a, uh, saying it a little differently, uh, a negligent actor must bear the risk uh, that his liability will be increased by reason of actual of the actual physical condition uh, toward uh, the other whom his act is negligent. And uh, as you know, Mike, uh, this rule stems out of. English common law, which I think is kind mm. of just interesting in and of itself. Uh, when I was researching this for our, our podcast today, I actually saw one case that was quoted in 1870, but there are two classic cases. The first occurred in 1890. It's the case of uh, Volsberg versus Putney. Uh, and the uh, that was where the eggshell uh, term first came up. But the term thin skull was first used in 1901. And, the, and the, all of our attorney clients know about this. But this is the uh, case of Deleuze versus White and Sons that occurred in, uh, in 1901. And uh, I, I couldn't actually find the actual case. But from what I understand, especially in talking with my attorney clients, is that this actually had to do with a thin skull situation. In other words, the, the person was hit, I think it was by a, a horse and cart, 
and uh, had a severe uh, uh, injury, uh, a fractured skull, and the case did go to court. And the uh, defendants argued, well, this person uh, had this defect anyway, and so why should I be held responsible for that? And the ruling was that, no, um, uh, this person wouldn't have had these problems unless you had hit them. Uh, and that was really the jumping off place for the thin skull rule. Uh, and it's been in play in, in uh, common English law and uh, law in the United States really since that time. And it's not with her, without some controversy, uh, but... Uh, this certainly still has relevance today. And it comes up in our cases all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I did one uh, three or four weeks ago that a woman had Klippel-Feil syndrome, which is not commonly understood probably by all of our listeners, but it's a spine condition where the space between the vertebrae is greatly reduced from birth. It's actually these, these people have, you probably have seen them around. You just didn't know that it's a condition genetically where they, it looks like they almost don't have a neck and yeah. the neck gets very short and that space is very short. Well, come and lo and behold in the literature, it's very well supported that this predisposes them to spine fractures in their cervical yeah. vertebrae. And so uh, as part of that case, indirectly, yeah, the thin skull rule applied because it wasn't the fault of this woman who ha had Klippel-Feil syndrome that she was in a low-speed motor vehicle crash that, in fact, uh, fractured her cervical spine. And so that applied. And I had one other one uh, years ago really interesting. And I don't know if this sounds like too much of a stretch or not, but I, I feel like it applies to this rule where mm -hmm. a younger woman in her 20s uh, was was kind of driven off a bank into a tree and had a pretty serious collision off the side of a road. And she struck her head. And she had in her medical record from five to 10 years prior, some weird little ticks that, that they might've thought was seizure activity, but mm. it was really like, you know, rating at very low and it wasn't anything that even bothered her day-to-day -day life. And after this crash within a week, she was undergoing serious, like almost debilitating, uh, non-epileptic seizure activity. I remember and, yeah. and the, the defense uh, the insurance company said, no, this, if you look back in her records, she had this seizure activity before when, when you lo looked at it, 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 no, there was no doubt. It was these minor ticks that she had because she had fallen out of a car as a young child. And there was some explanation, but certainly this new event is what created. And I was able to find literature that said traumatic brain injury and head injury can precipitate non-epileptic seizures. And mm -hmm. that in fact, maybe she was a bit more predisposed to having it, but without that crash, she would have, she would have not been sent into this uh, spiral of non-epileptic seizures. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great case. And I think, you know, the one that comes up all the time is it's pretty much a known fact, right, Mike, that people over 50, maybe even yeah. you know, people over 40 are going to have some degenerative arthritis, arthritis in their spine or uh, someplace else in, in their hands, whatever. And 
then they get in, they get rear-ended. And as a result of that rear-end accident, all of a sudden uh, they have, uh, say, uh, a ruptured disc or disc protrusion or, or maybe even a little more subtle. Let's say they have some damage to the facet joints, those joints that uh, hold one, one segment up against the next. It's that little spur that uh, you can see if you look at a, uh, the bony anatomy of the spine and that connects with the one above it and the one below it. And they get uh, a facet arthrosis. They get damage to that joint. Uh, it, by the way, the literature is pretty clear on this. This can cause tremendous amount of pain. And uh, opposing counsel, opposing doctors are saying, ah, it's, it's just the fact that they had degenerative arthritis. And, but they've got to take that uh, injured person where they are. And it doesn't matter if they had that before. <laughs> now they have a ruptured disc uh, or a facet arthrosis. And that's uh, an injury that needs to be uh, taken seriously and, and uh, part of the damages, medical damages in the case. I have one more, Armin. And mm -hmm. this is involving a case that we did recently where the woman was uh, over 65 years old. And there's literature that says that these patients, even when discharged from the emergency room with soft tissue injuries, they are much more likely to have low right. back pain, upper back pain. And it all lends to this idea of, is it the fault of the 70-year-old woman that she's not 25 at the time of her crash? And it, right. it's, it's fascinating. I, I, I did not know of the thin skull rule. So that uh, thanks for bringing that to my attention because it, it just give some history to what is a bit common sense. But as you know, case law, it matters to our attorneys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, um, other common issues uh, come up with regard to what sets us apart and what we know. So um, let me just mention a, a, a simple one. It wasn't simple for me at the time. It's almost <laughs> it's almost humorous now. But um, when I first started, this must have been you know my third or fourth case, and uh, I had a, a attorney client. I'd already done a case for him. He was really enthused, and I did. First of all, I didn't know that the case had been filed. Right, it had been filed in district court, and. I sent him an email and in the email, I revealed some issues of strategy and sent him, sent off the email. Well, at that time uh, I, you know, wasn't, um, didn't know that I needed to be uh, keen about the rules of discovery. Mm -hmm. And he called me, he was, uh, I think rightfully upset uh, I never got a case again uh, from him. But uh, now, of course, what I know, what you know, and what I teach is, hey, if you, you have to be, as a medical legal consultant, you have to be aware of this issue, this issue of discovery. And uh, if you have something, in, it doesn't matter where it is in the case, even if it's before it's filed, right? But, uh, but uh, if you have something really important to tell your attorney client, here's the email that you send them please call me. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. And then, uh, you'll discuss uh, that issue of 
importance to the case or strategy for the case or some medical issue in the case that your attorney client absolutely needs to know without being letting it open to uh, being discovered by the other side. You know, Armin, as, as someone who consults across other states as well, the rules differ state to state. My attorneys right. often share with me, I have some attorneys that like uh, some opinion reports to be written, they may show the client, and I have other attorneys that will immediately say, oh, thank you so much for this opinion. Please do not put anything in writing. Uh, I just mm. don't want there to be a an element that could harm this client down the road. So they're doing it in the client's best interest because maybe I, I gave an opinion that was, you know, a sharing that I believe there was no merit to a certain medical negligence case and they didn't want to harm yeah. the future ability of that client to to proceed with litigation. And I found that differs greatly by state. And mm -hmm. going back to exactly what you teach is when you don't know ask and right. the attorneys right. will respect that they it, it, it's speaking their language that they will be happy to tell you and as consultants and not as treating doctors we are more we are more collaborative i i, I don't have any i don't find any problem saying that do you armin that we no we really are a extension in a way of the firm, we are independent and our medical opinions are based upon, you know, medical facts and review of, right. of, of the literature, but we are more, much more collaborative. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of something, Mike, that uh, I didn't even have uh, written down in my notes as something to talk about today, but a lot of times uh, I am, um, ask questions of the uh, people that I've trained and they'll call me and they'll say, Hey, I've got this case. Here's the situation. And I don't know if I should do X or Y. And what I tell them is uh, if you've got a head scratcher, if you don't know uh, if you should do it this way or that way, the thing to do is pick up the phone and call uh, the attorney uh, with whom you're working because it's probably not a medical issue. It's a legal issue. It's a strategy issue. And that's not what uh, we're uh, doing on the case. Um, so, in fact, what I tell the uh, physicians is, hey, we're used to this. The, the buck always stops with us. We always, in our work with patients are making the final decision. Sometimes it could even be a life and death decision, or sometimes it's a decision, should I choose this medication for this patient or that medication? So we're used to say, saying to ourselves, hmm, should I do it this way or that way? And what I have to train the uh, physicians in to do medical legal work, a lot of times when you're in that kind of con conundrum, the best thing to do is ask, ask the attorney with whom you're working. Absolutely. It's not only gets you quicker to the, the, the what they need most, but you are, you're, you, you're directly representing their best interest and their strategy because ultimately we, unlike medicine, where we are, like you said, prescribing medication, ordering a study, we're the quarterback. In our world, our attorneys are the quarterback, and we, right. we're the star-wide receiver. 
but we have to we have to ask the quarterback <laughs> where do we run to catch that ball right that's good yeah that's good mike <laughs> So Armin, right. I, this has been tremendous and I know we're, I'm looking at the time now and it's mm-hmm. just been so enjoyable. I would like to offer a bit of a, a suggestion that we turn this into a mini series of the, the elements of medical legal consulting uh, and how, how our consulting work is different from medical expert work and different from treating doctors writing reports and turn this into a little bit of a a mini series whether it takes two or three or four podcast episodes but bite-sized chunks that allow our listeners to understand our our consulting work and how we integrate into the legal system are you would you be okay with that rather than making this a 40 or 50 minute episode yeah absolutely so we'll see maybe it'll be uh, two episodes maybe it'll be three we'll see uh but I, I, I know I, think, I have a few more things on my. I actually didn't get to any of them. I have I have <laughs> five or six things written down uh-huh. when this came up, and to even jump into them, kind of uh, made me say, you know what, we're we're getting there on on our time, and we know a lot of people might listen on their drive to work or while they're doing a workout, and I I just feel like I could start fresh with a new episode next week. Let's do that. And I think that maybe this is self-evident, but uh, the reason for even talking about these things is that this is how we can help our attorney clients ultimately help uh, the injured people uh, to uh, hopefully uh, get as whole as they possibly can after the accident or injury. So, uh, let, okay, should we stop here? Let's stop it. And I can't wait till the next episode. Okay, so uh, if uh, you have a question or a comment, or certainly if you have a case, you can reach us at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. We certainly would uh, appreciate it. And uh, uh, may I uh, please ask you, uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, please uh, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast as well. So we will uh, pick this up next time. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. dot